Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Yeah, it's me. Not in the treehouse today, (laughs) but I love working with Pastor Noah. Such a fun and thoughtful guy. Don't you agree? So before I begin, I want to thank, just take this opportunity to thank all of you for your wonderful cards and encouragement from this last week. I'm speaking for myself, my wife Peggy, and the minister staff and their spouses. Um, we We were truly surprised, truly blown away by your uh, encouragement, and it's, um, it's such a, a blessing to be here on staff and, and be ministering. So thank you for being so encouraging as a, as, a, as a congregation. So as I get started, how about a fun fact? More than half of Americans say they spend about 10 to 20 minutes on hold every week. That means 13 hours a year waiting on hold, which means many of you can relate to being on hold as well, especially based on your reactions to Pastor Pat last week as he told the stories of his frustrations while being on hold. (laughs) Uh, When we laugh, that means we can relate, but when it comes down to Being on hold, it's usually not a laughing matter. The truth is, we don't like to wait, right? Not only do we hate waiting, but we definitely don't like the unknown. How long am I gonna be on hold? No one knows. One of the biggest frustrations and even fears for everyone going through this whole COVID-19 pandemic has been the question, when is this going to end? I don't think right now anyone knows. But one thing I do know is that when we're placed on hold, suddenly we are now no longer fully in control of things when we're on the line, right? But we do have control of what we can do in the moment. And that's the choice we have. We can get impatient. We can get angry. We could hang up on them. Yeah, that'll teach them. Okay, maybe not, but how about we try something more productive? Earlier this week, I asked our staff here at the church through our group text um, what they like to do on hold. Maybe you could use some of their ideas next time you find yourself stuck on the phone. If you think you have a good idea online there, we'd love to see what they are. Type them in the comments. So here are 11 things that you can do while on hold according to our BCC staff, in no particular order. First, you can amaze yourself on Amazon. Oh, $19.99 for a coffee maker? One click, get it tomorrow, right? You can iron your undies. You can move to the music. Right? We all love that song, right? You can participate in a puzzle. You can rehearse your harmonica. 
How'd I do? Yeah, I know. Thank you. You're gracious. You can perform a pedicure. Uh, no. You can research a recipe. You can get flustered by the floss. How am I doing, guys? Emily, I know you know how to do it. No? Okay, I might have been flustering you. Sorry. You can walk and wander, right? How many do this when you're on hold? Walk and wander. Wow, yeah. And finally, no, not finally, purge your purse or reclaim your wallet. Ah, much thinner. And number 11, you can have your spouse hang out on hold. So today, I'm going to propose three things that we can do when we feel like we have been put on hold in our life. Rest, listen, and learn. Now, I know that we have been talking a lot about the concept of being put on hold on our telephones. But when you're being, held on, when you're being on hold in our lives, it's an entirely different matter, right? And it can come from any place. I'm talking disappointment, roadblocks in a relationship, closed doors, missed opportunities, loneliness, Opposition, financial setbacks, loss of a loved one, fears, anxieties, or you go ahead and fill in the blank. These are all things that come without warning and they bring our world to a screeching halt and leave us disillusioned and discouraged and hopeless. Now, the biblical figure that we'll be studying today is the prophet Elijah. And he was without a doubt an incredible figure from the Old Testament. He stood up against ungodly kings, he performed amazing miracles, and he even raised someone from the dead. I mean, not to mention that he was one of only two people who never experienced death. Elijah was taken up into heaven in what the Bible calls a chariot of fire and a whirlwind. But he was, as James wrote in the book of James chapter five, a human, just like each of us. Which means he had his moments of fear and discouragement and hopelessness, just like each of us. But where Elijah ultimately went, actually physically traveled to, when he was overwhelmed with his fear and discouragement and hopelessness, it's downright beautiful, I think. And it's an example for us today. But I'm getting way ahead of myself. In our reading today, we're going to be spending our time mostly in First Kings. So if you brought your Bible, or if it's on your device, you can open it up and head to First Kings chapter 19. And first, to set up the scene, around 2,900 years ago, the kingdom of Israel is led by King Ahab. He and his wife, Queen Jezebel, worshipped who and what they wanted. 
By the way, it was not the one true God. Ahab and Jezebel did what the Bible calls what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. But sadly, they were really just following in the footsteps of most of the previous kings of Israel. Idolatry had gone on for decades, so this was nothing new. Jezebel was from a nearby foreign land who worshipped the false god Baal. She brought Baal worship with her to Israel along with hundreds of prophets of Baal, which made God extremely angry. And in fact, he was so upset by Israel's idol worship that he brought on a drought. And that means no rain and famine that lasted for more than three years. And at the end of the three and a half years, the prophet Elijah confronted King Ahab and he challenged the prophets of Baal to a showdown. He offered for the prophets to cut up a bull for a sacrifice place it on an altar, and then he would do the same. Whoever's God was able to send down fire and burn up the sacrifice on their altar would be declared the victor. The people of Israel had turned away from the Lord because of all these foreign gods, so Elijah gathered the people of Israel together to witness this ultimate smackdown, the battle of the gods. And as you might imagine, Baal was silent and fireless. But God sent down fire and burned up the entire sacrifice in a blaze of glory. Of course, the people of Israel saw this and immediately began to worship the one true God. And they cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah gathered up Jezebel's precious prophets of Baal and killed them all right there on the spot. Elijah then went off to pray and eventually our God, the God of fire and rain and everything else, opened up the heavens and it rained again. The drought was over. What a victory for God and Elijah was part of it all. But when Jezebel heard that Her prophets of Baal were all killed. She sent a messenger to tell Elijah, you will be dead within 24 hours. So in spite of the tremendous victories that Elijah witnessed that day, and despite his undoubted exhaustion, Elijah ran. 1 Kings 19, verse 3. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah had just tasted incredible victory. The prophets of Baal were eliminated. The people of Israel declared Jehovah as the one true God. And the much-needed rain finally came. But unfortunately, all these victories he experienced were short-lived in his mind. And as it says in verse 3, he ran for his life. How could this be? As I said earlier, this 
Old Testament pro- super prophet was still just a man. He experienced ups and downs like we do. It's just that Elijah's high and low moments are recorded here in black and white. What disappointments or fears have you experienced in the past months? How about the past years? Bad news from the doctor, a job loss, a strained or even broken relationship? Are you still stuck by what you experienced then? Do you feel like your life is on hold because of it? These scenarios, so many other scenarios can pick us up and slam us to the ground before we even know what's coming. And for Elijah, it was a death threat spoken by the evil and manipulative queen Jezebel. I mean, he could have remembered how God took care of him during the three years of famine or how God was with him on Mount Carmel when he stood up against the prophets of Baal or countless other God moments. But before we are too hasty, let's put ourselves in Elijah's sandals. Physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion coupled with this awful death threat his reaction starts to make a little more sense. And how many know that when we're tired and exhausted, we usually don't think clearly. We don't view our situation properly and we tend to make some bad decisions. We can very easily feel hopeless. We can even lose sight of our God and the wonderful things he's done in our lives in the past. Have, have you been there before? I know I have. But thankfully, Elijah's being drawn to a rock, a rather big rock. More on that in a minute, but I think it's just gonna be a beautiful picture for you. But this brings me to the next verse in our reading. God doesn't immediately respond to Elijah, but he does show Elijah he is very much aware of him and his situation. This is what happens. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So here's my first point for today. Rest. We have to have it. And when we feel like we've been put on hold or the world is all crashing down around us, let's not get impatient. Let's not do anything rash. Let's just take a breath and rest in the presence of the Lord. God set up this pattern at the very beginning of time for us humans to rest. Work, 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 then rest. Work, 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 then 
rest. So rest is an incredibly important thing for us to do. Especially, though, when we're on hold. Trust me, you're not going to be on hold forever. I promise. How do I know? Because there's work to do. God's not going to expect us to be on hold and rest forever. So Elijah's exhaustion gave way to fear. And you may have experienced this. Once fear settles in, we aren't in control. Our fears control us. Never mind navigating endless phone menus or Kenny G playing on in our ears. <laughs> no, fear plays in our ears and our mind, and we quickly lose sight of God, right? And, and certainly, he can't be heard anymore by us anyway. And all we can hear is fear, and all we feel is fear. But can I make a suggestion? When we feel fear creeping in, let's turn our eyes to Jesus. And as the song we sang earlier says, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, even our fears. Something else I want to make sure we don't miss, and this is what I was talking about, this beautiful picture that's being painted for us in this story. It's not immediately obvious, but it's an important point to draw out as we read about Elijah's struggle here. So let me ask a couple of questions. First, where To where has Elijah run? What was his destination? His travels taken him nearly 300 miles south to Mount Carmel, where he started. And now he's in a cave on Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai. Does that ring a bell? This is the same mountain that God descended upon in a thick cloud with thunder and lightning and spoke to Moses around 600 years before Elijah was even born. In Elijah's desperation and through the guidance of the Spirit of God, it's brought him to this very same place where God handed down the Ten Commandments to Moses. Do you see the significance of Elijah's destination and the parallels, 40 days and 40 nights? He was striving to get as close to God as he could get. And that's why I think it's so beautiful. And in the midst of his fear and desperation, he winds up at the mountain of God. And I think we can all learn from Elijah's heart. Even though he's exhausted, and he even, all he's wanted was to, for his life to end. But he was still being drawn to the only one, the only one who had the power to deliver him, and that one true God, our God, the God of fire and rain, and the mountain, and our salvation, and everything else he's the God of has the power to deliver us from whatever desperate situation we find ourselves in. Friends, remember, Elijah's heart, the next time you feel like you're at the end of your rope, 
run to the Lord. Elijah's being drawn to God, the most pure, primal, (laughs) early location he knew of God's meeting. Back to the scripture. Verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Did you hear it? Did you hear what actually got Elijah to come out of the cave? The wind? Was it the earthquake? Was it the fire? They might have gotten his attention, but it's not where God was. It was in the gentle whisper. That's where God's voice was, and that's what brought him out of the cave. It makes sense that we would expect God to be in the powerful wind or the mountain-splitting earthquake or the blazing fire but he was not in those things. Here, God is saying, you won't hear from me in these incredible, impressive acts of nature, the noisy, chaotic things that are going on around you, even though it's so easy for us to be focusing on the loud and the overwhelming. And true, we lose our focus and we get distracted by the conflict or the bad news, or whatever else, other storm we're going through. Instead, after we've had our time to rest and shed off that hanger, eat some bread and drink some water, it's time to get our wits about us and then listen. And that's my second point for today. And it's also the word of the day, listen. Have you ever been on the telephone and you heard something like this? Thank you for calling Megabank Savings and Loan. Please listen to the entire menu because our options have recently changed. Sometimes when we're on hold, we need to slow down. Listen carefully to the message so we can connect to the one who actually can help us. Say amen if you were thinking I was talking about God right there. Oh, sorry. It wasn't clear. I am talking about God. We listen to the one. We got to listen to the message so that the one who can help us, we can get him on the line, right? Then a little bit later while you're on hold, you might hear, 
our agents are busy serving other valued customers like you. We will be with you in a moment. Did you know you can be rewarded for going paperless? <laughs> Tell your agent you would like your statement to go paperless and you will receive $10 on your next statement. Whoa, now that's something I can use, right? There's something worth listening to. I'll take 10 bucks, right? But did you ever think that you could skip the menu <laughs> and then press the zero button, right? And, and instead, you're thinking you're going to get straight to a human, right? Zero means operator. Instead, you get this message. That is an invalid selection. <laughs> Goodbye. Click. <laughs> right? Are you catching where I'm going with this? Hopefully. If not, I'll explain in a minute. There's something there. There's something available to us when we listen. But we've got to listen, friends. So let's keep on reading. Verse 13. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Maholah, to succeed you as a prophet. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So God speaks and Elijah listens. God told Elijah to head back home and then he revealed an important to-do list for him. And this is all practical stuff that God is doing for Elijah. He gives Elijah three important jobs to do. Anoint two kings and plan for his own successor, Elisha. But then God puts Elijah's situation in perspective. Elijah twice said to the Lord, I'm the only one left, but God tells him there are 7,000 who are still committed to the Lord. Elijah was hardly the only one left. What an encouragement, what a confidence builder. And according to the MRS version of the Bible, that's the Mr. Rob Susan version, this is what God is saying to Elijah. End your life. You have work to do, Elijah, and you're not alone. <laughs> and there's something that we can take for ourselves, too. You, you have work to do. I have work to do. And we are not alone. We don't have to run to Mount Sinai to hear from God. We don't have to run to a mountain. We don't have to run anywhere to learn important truths for our lives. But we can still follow Elijah's beautiful example of seeking God in our times of distress. We just go to the rock the rock that's higher than I. And I know that's not grammatical, 
It's just from an old song. But that rock is Jesus. In fact, there's this interesting, short, peculiar little story, this event recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus and three of his disciples are on this mountain to pray, and suddenly Jesus' clothing turns white as lightning flash, and his face turns as bright as the sun. And then he's joined by Moses and Elijah, two guys who have been gone for hundreds of years. And now they're on this mountain talking to Jesus about him leaving earth soon. Moses and Elijah, the same two who met God on Mount Sinai in a way that no other man had to that point. And now here they are meeting God again, but in the flesh, in the form of a man, the son of God, Jesus, Elijah and Moses. <laughs> and, then, and then Peter, <laughs> Peter, Peter says, teacher, it's so good that we're here. Let's build a tent for you and Elijah and Moses. And Mark says in parentheses in his gospel, he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. It probably would have been better for Peter just to be quiet. So then a, a cloud surrounds them and this is what happens next. A voice comes from the cloud and says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Did you hear it? Listen to Jesus. And that was their calling, the disciples' calling. And it's what God is calling us to do also. Be quiet and listen. And that's why I said we don't have to run to Mount Sinai like Elijah did, nor should we just jump ahead and thinking we've got to say something like Peter. No, our heavenly Father is calling us to step back and pay attention to what's going on around us and rest and listen to what he has to say. Not listen to the chaos of our surroundings or be distracted by what's going on around us. What disappointment being stuck in what we thought would happen, what we wanted to happen but didn't, or happened and we didn't want it to happen. What will we miss out on if we just charge ahead, running on our own steam? What will happen if we press zero, thinking we're gonna skip the menu? What if, we, what if we try and control things and our desire to control things is actually ruining us and keeping us stuck? Instead, let's listen to, as the NIV puts it, the gentle whisper of God's voice here in his word. Let's listen to the Lord. Let's listen for his voice Maybe he would even speak to you in an audible voice or some other sense of awareness. I've heard of people hearing from God in the shower or on a nature walk or in the quiet of the morning prayer time. But a word to the wise, please compare what you hear to what you read in scripture and make sure that they don't conflict. 
Because if they do conflict, what you hear is not from God. How did Elijah know that God wasn't in the wind or the earthquake or the fire? How did he know that God's voice was in the gentle whisper? Because Elijah spent time in the presence of the Lord. So he was familiar with God's voice. The more we spend time in God's presence, the more we're comfortable, the more we're familiar with what God is saying to us and whether it's true or not. So as we spend time in the presence of the Lord and listen, what can we learn? And that's my third and final point for today. Elijah learned that God wanted him to go back home and perform three important tasks and that he was not alone. He learned that there were 7,000 others that remained faithful to God. What does God want to tell us about himself? What is he telling us about us? What is he telling us about how to behave in our relationships? Have, he, have you heard how he will never leave you? Even in the middle of an or, any ordeal you're going through, even in the middle of your storm, even in your sickness? Have you heard that he died for you? What's, what's that all about? It's right here. And as Pastor Noah said earlier in the treehouse, make sure you are listening so that you can learn exactly what God has to say to you. So now we're going to get practical. We're going to rest, listen, and learn. We're going to try something that Pastor Noah and I have done with the youth group in the way and at summer camp. We've carved a few minutes from this service And we've been praying all week about this moment between us and God. So I'm going to ask you, if you haven't already, if you don't have them, open your Bibles. So this applies to everybody here in the room or everybody watching online. Go grab your Bibles. On the screens, we're going to have a list of suggested scriptures that you can can read during this time. Or you can read scriptures of your own choosing. The scriptures you're choosing doesn't matter. What matters right now is how you approach the word of God. How you open your ears to his voice. Ask God to speak to you through the scriptures. Find out new things about him. All right here. And when you do, if something surprises you, pops out at you, underline it. Circle it, highlight it, make a note. Whatever you need to make that new to you truth stick. If you don't have a Bible, we'll be displaying some of the scriptures up on the screens for you to read along. Make some notes even on your phone. Right now, you can read together as a family or quiet as an individual, but just please respect the people around you as they are listening to the Lord's voice too. We'll be having some peaceful music going in the background. And then when we finish this time of listening and learning, 
with worship. We'll finish this time with worship together again. So now, friends, rest. Take a breath. And ask God to open your ears, listen, and learn. Dear Lord God, we pray for you to speak to us through your word. Be with us as we read your words to us. Open our ears. Help us listen and learn about you, about us, how we're supposed to interact with you and us each other. Bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.